But here we go. We're on now. We live. So uh, anyway, this morning we was looking at those uh, few verses. And so I prepared this morning to kind of jump over to chapter 2, if that's okay. And, uh, and it's really... Uh, a good passage of scripture. We're going to be looking at Philippians 2. We're going to be looking from verse 1 through 11. 1 through 11. So if you would please, as y'all turn in there, would y'all please stand if you can for the honoring of God's word. He says this, he says, So if there's any encouragement in Christ... Any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you not only look to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. He says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not, uh, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross." Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Let's pray. Father, we God, we just praise you. We thank you. God, we thank you for your word. Father, we pray that today that your spirit would come and reveal to us the truth of your scripture. Father, we know that unless your spirit reveals to us and speaks to us, you are the causality of all change. God, use my mouth and my lips to speak to your people. Oh, Father, I pray that we would have joy. Joy that is rooted and grounded in the, just our union with you. That we are in you or that we are in Christ. That we would be joyful because of you are the great treasure. Father, may we cast off everything in our life and count everything as loss. Comparing to the worth of knowing you. Oh, Father, change us today. Reveal to us in the areas that we need to change. Help us to understand your word. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. If you guys are here for the very... You can be seated. If you are here for the first time, and we've been here for a couple days, a few days, and I think this is number... It's kind of, this is number four if you want to count Sunday school hour. This is number four session in the book of Philippians. And the whole idea, the reason why I wanted to come, I wanted to come and give you something. I wanted you to understand comprehension, interpretation, application. I wanted to, I wanted to just drive that home. I want you to be able to go through any book of the Bible and start to read it and come away with comprehension interpretation application it's actually the same method that we would use if we go to school somewhere and study a history book would 
just taking the scripture and looking at it from a perspective of a scholarly perspective perspective. But anyway, this is kind of our main goal. But if you remember night number one, I introduced to you the book of Philippians. You know, Paul and Timothy, he they wrote, he said, We are servants, we're slaves. Y'all remember that. He said that we were he's addressing the saints in Christ Jesus. And he does a thanksgiving and a prayer. And and verse 6 is, And I'm sure of this, he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ. And we see the sovereignty of God in the Philippian church. He says, I'm sure of this, that God is going to bring your sanctification to completion. And then we see over on in the latter part of this text that we studied last night, we see this idea that not only does God do a work, but there's a work that we have to do. There's a work in sanctification that we have to be obedient to Christ. And we see there at the very end, he says, So that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. He says this in verse 11, Filled with fruits of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. If you remember in my introduction, I said probably if I had to sum up the whole book of Philippians in one sentence was this, was that Paul dearly loved the Philippian people and he was concerned for them. He had several different concerns. One of his concerns was he was concerned about them, about the way that they felt about his current situation. He didn't want them to worry. And so this morning we picked right back up in verse 12. He says, I want you to know that the gospel is being proclaimed in the world in spite of all these bad things that you have heard that's happened to me. Man, all of my imprisonments. I've been beaten, been flogged, and all these different things, but the gospel is still going out. And we can rejoice and praise God that the gospel's being spread. And so that is the basic essence of what we went over this morning. And then he goes on to say, he says this, he says, yes, I will rejoice. And then he says something else. He said he rejoices the gospel is being proclaimed. I'm doing a real quick overview, okay, of everything. So we can kind of follow along in this train of thought before we get to chapter 2. Anyway, he praises the Lord that, you know, Christ is being proclaimed. And then in verse 19, he says, yes, and I will rejoice. And here's what I will rejoice in. He's looking, he says, I know that through your prayers, I'm going to be released. I'm confident that I'm going to be released and I'm going to come to you again. And then he says, but whether I do or whether I don't, whether I come or whether I don't, he said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. In other words, he says, no matter if I live or whether I die, it's all gain for me. So I don't want you to be worried about me because I consider it as gain. If I go to the Lord, I'm going to be in His presence, and I consider that far better, but He says this. But, convinced of this, He said, it'd be far better if I stay with you. And He said, convinced of this, I'm sure that I'm going to be delivered, and I'm going to come to you, and you're going to glory in Christ Jesus by my coming to you again, in verse 26. And then He says this. He says, I want your manner of life. And look in verse 27. He says, I want your manner of life to be worthy of the gospel of Christ. So whether that I see that you come or that I am absent, 
you might hear that you're standing firm in one spirit. I want you to listen to this. He says, I want your life to be worthy of the gospel. And here's what he wants. He says, I want to hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. What is he calling for here? Isn't that unity? He's calling here, he's calling them to unite and to be unified. He says, only let your life be uh, uh, worthy of the gospel of Christ. So he's considering a life of unity as a body. You know what? We, are, we glorify God whenever we are united. He says this, and he says, and then he goes on and says, and not frightened in anything by your opponents. And this is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. And listen to this. He says, for it has been granted to you for the sake of Christ that you should not only believe in him, but you should also suffer for his sake. Engaged in the same conflict that you saw that I had and now hear that I still have. I want y'all to just kind of just real quick just get a... He was concerned about something here. He was concerned about how they might handle the pressure of the things that was happening to him. What was happening to him? He was imprisoned. And you know what? The, the Bible says this right here. He says, not only has it been granted for you, in other words, hasn't, not only did God choose you, if you want to say it in that language, not only did He choose you and began that good work in you for you to believe, but He says, you are also been granted to you that you should also suffer for His sake. And it was seen as a blessing. Seen as a blessing. And he's calling them. He says, don't be frightened by anything of your opponents. And he says, follow my example. I think I heard Brother Dickey say that this morning. You know, he's leading the charge. Follow my example. Now we're going to, that's just kind of a, a brief synopsis. There's a whole lot more there. And Brother Matthew, I've left a lot of meat on the bone there for you. And But now I want us to take our focus and go on to uh, verse, or, or chapter 2, verse 1. And I want you all to see something. I've seen something in this passage that I had never seen before in my life. And I tell you all, if, uh, sometimes we come to the passage with glasses on, these rose-colored glasses and these lenses, you know. It reminds me of whenever I was a kid. You remember the old toys that you used to look through and you could twist and look at the light and it'd change, you know. And, and then sometimes, you, or even the ones that look like binoculars and you could go chink-chink, chink-chink, and you look at the light, and, you know, and have the different little pictures in there and you would look at those things. You know, sometimes when we look at Scripture, we look at the Scripture through those little lenses and chink-chink, And I've been trying to take the blinders off. And I've seen something so beautiful in this passage here that I'd like to share with you this morning. The Apostle Paul, he says, So is there any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection, any sympathy? Complete my joy by being of the what? Same mind. 
having the same love, being in full accord and one mind. We see here in this passage of Scripture, the Apostle Paul is appealing to the Philippian people. They're evidently, he's concerned about something. He's concerned about disunity. And you know, it's, it's really easy to, to get ununified, right? I mean, it can be really easy. You know, whenever I think about uh, being ununified, I think about uh, music a lot of times whenever you're playing in music and if you have multiple instruments, you know, it just takes one person to get out of sync and, you know, and the, and the song kind of goes, woohoo, you know? Have you ever heard that? Or I, one of my favorite episodes of Andy Griffith was Barney want to join the choir. Y'all remember this? Barney wanted to join the choir and he's like, oh, I can sing tenor. And he's like, oh, we need a tenor. He's like, I can sing really. He said, you got a trained voice, Barney? Yeah, yeah, I got a trained voice. And then he went and he sang and and he's like, ho, 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 somebody's somebody's out, somebody's out. And then Barney was like, hey, I'll help you find out who it is. You know, y'all remember that? But it's so easy to get disunified. It's so easy. I mean, it could be just anything. And next thing you know, you're, you're not unified. I don't know, per se, that this is going on. But I can say this, is that Paul is, is at least helping them be aware that it's very easy to be disunified. Very easy. And then, so he starts out, he says, so he, he's telling the, the Philippian people, let me paraphrase that. Hey, if you've been born again, if you are in Christ, is, is there any encouragement in that? That you've been born again? That you are in Christ? That you have this relationship with Christ? Is there any encouragement in that? Is there any comfort from His love that has been displayed upon you? This is a paraphrase. Is there any participation in the Spirit do you share in the Holy Spirit? Is there any affection and sympathy? And then listen to what he says. He says, if that is the case, if, if you all share into the same body, the same spirit, the same affections, the same love, he's calling them, he says, he says, I want you to, he says, complete my joy. He says, complete my joy. Now, why would you think that he says that? How many of y'all, whenever your kids, whenever they do something good or noble or your children or the people that you have discipled and you see them walking in truth, even in hard times, and what does that do to you? It brings joy, right? Whenever you see your kids or the people that you have invested your life into and they're walking in truth and righteousness and love and unity, even in the midst of hard circumstances, you know what it makes me whenever I see my personal children do that? Oh, it makes me proud. I say, that's my boy. You know what? My son, he is the best father I believe I could ever, I've ever seen. He loves his children. And 
for me to see him raise his boys and you know he moved out to El Paso and I was wondering if they would find a church and the first thing as as a father that he did he went out there and he found a church a place where they could worship and be in community with other, with one another and it just blessed my socks off my daughter lives in Knoxville Tennessee and her husband is going to med school so their life has been crazy and so she hadn't been attending church real regular. And it had been a concern of me and my wife. And I want you to know, it was, just, it was heavy on our heart because we know the importance of being in a body and being unified and like-minded with people so they can come alongside you and help grow you up. And they're over three hours away and Daddy was worried. And you know what? They finally found a church and Sharon said, You know what? Melanie just blessed my socks off. He, she said, I seen a, her little calendar. You know, she's a planner. You got those people that just plan everything. You know, you got a calendar and she's just really organized and everything's got its spot. And she said, you know what? At the very top of her calendar of every day was go to God's word and go to God in prayer. And she goes, oh, it just made me so joyful. And when the apostle Paul says this, he says, whenever... I see, he says, complete my joy. Complete my joy, dear friends, by being of the same mind, of one accord. You know, it would bring him joy and happiness. He's the founder of, no, he ain't really the founder, God's the founder of the church, but he was the one that brought the gospel to Europe there with Lydia. And how it might have brought him joy. And it says this, he says, Having the same mind. And I find it interesting how he uses these words. He says, same mind, same love. I mean, this is, in other words, a unity of mind, a unity of love, and full accord. In other words, you're operating in harmony and of one, uh, <laughs> uh, one mind. And, and then he says this in verse 3. I want you all to listen. And it's a warning to them. He says, do nothing from selfish ambition and conceit. Selfish ambition and conceit. Whenever you think about selfish ambition, isn't that the root of disunity? You know, there are what you call root sins. Root sins would be self and pride. You know, Paul here doesn't mention any circumstance or anything that goes against... He just don't mention anything. We don't really know what he's talking about. We don't know what's going on. We don't even know if there is anything going on. But he just mentions... Selfish ambition. He says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. Self is a, a root sin. It's the root of a lot of different sins. When you are concerned about self, which do you think it's easier? I mean, let me give you an illustration in the gardening world, and I'm not a very good gardener, but 
one of the things that we did whenever we moved, bought our home is this, is that we, we wanted to do some landscaping around our house. And how many of y'all done some landscaping? So we, you know, we pulled up bushes and, and you know, we wanted uh, dirt kind of mounted up around our house. And man, we, we spent a lot of money on this stuff, you know? I mean, a lot of money. Just Basically, it's just a, a, a waste. It's something for eye candy, right? But anyway, we wanted it. We wanted our house to look really good. So we, we dug up all the bushes and we took and we put felt down and we put rock down. And then we had to wait a while to save up our money to put plants in the landscaping because we, we done spent all our money on dirt and rock. But as time goes by, you know, sometimes like if you're mowing and Sharon hates the way I mow. Why is it that you hate the way I mow, Sharon? What do I do? I blow grass in her landscaping. And you want to talk about a no-no. You don't blow grass clipping in, in, the, in that rock. Because it, it, it looks horrible, right? And well, it, you know what? If you keep doing that, here's what happens is, even though if you've got felt to prevent weeds, guess what starts happening? Weeds start coming up. Well, Jason has been sick here the last little bit. And had some I've had a few health issues with my stomach and I and then I've had lawnmower issues all summer long and it's been a nightmare anyway well I got to walking around my landscaping and I'm going to tell you weeds was just coming in this thing just right and left and one of the things I noticed is this, is that, you know what, if it's kind of dry out there and you got a weed and you go down and you reach down there to pick, pluck it, what happens? It breaks, right? It don't, it don't, it don't want to give up out of that dirt. It don't want to give up out of that soil. You know, I can pinch that top off of it and it's gone. But whenever you start to, if you want to get the root of the matter, sometimes it has to be a little bit damp so you can pull it out and so you can get the whole root out. If you get the whole root out, guess what happens? It don't come back, does it? You got to get the root and all. The Apostle Paul here is preaching because, and he's talking about, hey, do nothing from selfish ambition because it's a root. There's all kinds of fruit that comes up off of different roots. And if you don't never do the hard work of getting the root out, you'll still, if you just break the tops off, if you are a real good person and say, you know what? Okay, I'm not going to be selfish no more. I'm not going to just look after my own interests. I'm going to look out after the interest of my brothers. You know, if I, and I was like, I'm going to do really, really good. I'm going to do really, really good. What's the problem with that? It comes back. It comes back. My dear friend, we need King Jesus here today to uproot selfish ambition in our life. It's one of the hardest things to get rid of. You know what? I am a selfish person by nature. I seek my own interests. And not that it's always bad to seek your own interests. We need to take care of ourselves, right? But we don't just look after the interest of ourselves. We look after the interest of others. We're concerned about them. We see this. Listen to him. He says, do nothing from selfish ambition. 
He's, then he says, but in humility. In humility. What does it mean to be humble? It means to be low. He says, he says this, uh, <laughs> I lost my place in the text, sorry. But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. And then listen to what he says. He says, let each of you look not only to his own interests. So he's not saying that we don't look to our own interests. It's not like that we always like, oh, I got to put everybody else uh, above me. Not that we don't have our interest in ourselves. We have to have, you know, or we wouldn't be human. But he says, not only that we look for ourselves, but we also Look to the interest of who? Others. Oh, that, that's, a, that's a hard, hard thing to do. It's a hard thing. It's a hard thing in a couple of different ways. I think the way that we have the wisdom to know what to do is, is this, is that whenever... Uh, what we talked about last night. He says, It is my prayer that your love may abound, more, abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that we might approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless. So here we have the Apostle Paul calling them to live a life of humility not only looking out for their own interests, but looking out for the interests of others. And then he calls them, he says this, he says, have this mind. I want y'all to hear this call. He says, this is a command. He says, I want you to have this mind. And this right here, man, this is, this is a mind-blowing text. The Apostle Paul here he uses a doctrine of God, the doctrine of the incarnation of Christ. In other words, the incarnation of Christ is that not only is Jesus, he's the God-man. He's God and man. He uses the incarnation of Christ to, as a, an example of humility. You know, sometimes I think that our theology is so lofty, but Paul's theology was very practical it was practical theology and he says I want y'all to think about this he says in verse 5 he says have this mind among yourself and then I want you to know he says which is yours in Christ Jesus it's yours it's a mind that you can have for those who are in Christ Jesus you can have this mind it's yours it's in the present tense it's not something that you're going to have later on. It is yours, he says. He says, Who though he was in the form of God did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. I mean, think about that. He's saying, Jesus, he was in the form of God. But he did not equate equality with God. In other words, even though that he was God, he didn't equate equality with God. It says this, but he emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant. That word servant there is what, Matthew? Slave. Slave. Where did we hear that at? 
Right back in verse 1, right? Paul and Timothy, servants or slaves of Christ Jesus. And here we see that he says this. He said, who though he was in the form of God did not equate equality with God, a thing to be grasped, he says, but he emptied himself by taking on the form of a slave, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself and by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. He humbled himself. Now here's the beautiful truth that I've seen in this passage. I never thought about it before be honest with you, until this morning I was meditating on this and the Lord brought this to me and I thought, oh my goodness, that is beautiful. I've never seen that before in my life. Whenever we're talking about here, and the reason why I got to even to thinking about this was that he was using a doctrine of God as his argument. And whenever we talk about God, we are monotheistic. Anybody know what monotheistic means? We serve one God. We serve one God. We're not polytheistic. Where we serve many gods, we serve one God. And so whenever we think about the Godhead, and when we think about, we are Trinitarian, right? We believe in the Trinity. And the way that the Father's creed, and the way historically the church has understood the Trinity, is this, is that you have three distinct persons. The Father the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You have three distinct persons in one essence. And you might say, well, what does that mean? Because I, I, I had to think about, what is essence? You know, uh, Jason Sherrill here is one body. I have one essence. I'm... Mono, it takes everything about me, everything that you see here, these goofy looking ears, this little short stature, this head, these arms, these fingers, everything about me, my personality, it makes up who I am. The Godhead, the three in one, they are all, they're, they're, they're three distinct persons. In other words, you got the Father, you got the Son, you got the Holy Spirit. Each one of them share all the attributes of who God is, all the characteristics of who God is. So when we say that God is faithful, we're saying that Jesus Christ is faithful. We're saying that the Holy Spirit is faithful. We're saying that the Father is a, uh, faithful. Whenever we're thinking about the Trinity, whenever we think about God is just, Jesus Christ is eternally just. The Father is eternally just. The Holy Spirit is eternally just. And they all share in those characteristics. But what, where they differ at is in the role. And we see that the Father has... Ne- you know, one of the things about the Father, He was never sent. He was never sent out. Father isn't sent. Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit is sent, right? There's different roles that they play. There's different persons in the Godhead, but they are all of the same substance. And one of the beautiful things about when we think about the Godhead, you know why God created the heavens and the earth? God created the heavens and the earth because He wanted to. That's it. 
There was no divisions in the Godhead. He was completely and utterly satisfied in himself. He was happy and had no need of anything. And one of the things about Christianity is this, is that God has called us to be image bearers and we are to bear the image of God. And one of the ways that we bear the image of God in community is this, is that we are unified just as God is unified in Himself. Just as He is one, we are one. Isn't that a beautiful picture? I want to read to you just real quick from 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians 12, starting in verse 12. He says, For just as the body is one, mono, just as God is one. He says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though are many, are one body. So it is with Christ. For in one spirit we're all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks or slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but many. If a foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if I should say to the ear and should say, I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would make, uh, make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would the, uh, uh, be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye can't say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor can the head to the feet say, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which... Our, well, which our, which our more presentable parts we do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but the members of the may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is dishonored, is honored, all rejoice together. Now, you, my friends, are the body of Christ and individual members of it. My friend, I want to tell you, in a world that is full of disunity and strife, there is no better way that God's people share the glory of God and who God is by being unified in one spirit. When we do that, we are bearing the image of the Creator who is one God of one essence and three parts. Ain't that beautiful? I just, whenever I seen that, whenever I seen that this morning, 
And I'm just got to thinking about how the Apostle Paul was using the incarnation, the, the Godhead, to say, hey, you know what? God, he, he was the high and lifted up God. The point of the passage is this, is that, you know, the King of all kings, the Lord of all lords, who was perfect and complete in the Godhead, he stepped out of the heavenlies and took on the form of a slave, a servant, And it says he emptied himself to the point of death. And it says even death on a cross. A shameful death. A death that, that we can't even imagine. A king. And not just a king. The king. The Lord of all lords hanging there on the cross. I mean, Queen Elizabeth died this week. You know, she was an important person in the monarch. She was a queen. And she said something that was really profound at her very final hours of her life. She's, they, the priest or the minister came in and asked her if she had anything she wanted to say, and they said that her lip was quivering. And she said, oh, I just wish that Christ had a return in my lifetime. I so wanted to throw my crown at His feet. I wanted to throw my crown at His feet. This humility of Christ, the King of all kings, He humbled Himself as a servant and as a slave for us. What good news of the gospel. And God is calling us to lay aside our selfish ambition and our pride and lay it down at the King of all kings' feet and be united to one another. Oh my goodness. What a call. I mean, how many of y'all right now want to just say, you know what, I had some things that was bothering me. I'm just a little bit disunified about something. And you just want to say, oh, I, I don't have any reason at all to be disunified. Do you see what the King of Kings did? And you want to just throw your crown down and just lay prostrate out at the King's feet and say, Lord, oh, forgive me. May we be unified. This is God's call to you. You are called to be lights here in Jonesville. There is a dying population all around you. Be unified. Oh, I'm telling you, the, if you ever get a hold of the gospel of Christ and you go out into your community, you can change this community. Oh, you know what? I pray for you. I pray that whenever the next time I come back, I pray that the pews would be full because of the gospel that is going out, that the people would see that you're unified, that you're love, and that you're concerned for them. Oh, I pray that. Me and my wife, when we come here, we say, Oh, what a beautiful church. What a beautiful campus. What a wonderful opportunity. You know, it's easy for me to see that, right? 
Because I'm not from here. I don't know all the ins and outs. I don't know the problems in Jonesville. But I do know this. I do know that we have a gospel that is powerful, that cannot be stopped if we get unified. And the Apostle Paul is encouraging them and moving right along. In verse 9, he says, Therefore, God has highly exalted him. He's exalted him. That a name is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Oftentimes we say, you know what, this is talking about the end times, but it's not just talking about the end times, it's talking about the here and now. We bow our knee to Jesus in the way that we do that, we do that with our lives and our obedience. With saying, you know what, God, God, please help root this selfish ambition out of me. And we bow our knees by laying our will aside and we say, oh God, please unify me with the people. This is the point of it. We bend the knee here and now. It's not for the here and later. And we bend our knee by being obedient to Christ. By bending our knees and bowing before O King Jesus and asking for forgiveness for where we are selfish and looking after our own interest. And yours truly is not no expert. Have a lot of room in my own self. Can y'all say that to yourselves? That that you know what we I haven't arrived, my my brother. Not perfect. We need to bend the knee here and now. And it's not for a here and later. And confess, and this is the way that we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. In other words, that He is Master. We bend that knee on this side of eternity. And it says here that every knee will bow. Every one of them. Every person that's in Jonesville will bow before King Jesus. Every one of them. And then he says, oh, to the glory of God the Father. I mean, do you see the excitement and the joy in the Apostle Paul? Mm. I pray that you guys will be humble without selfish ambition. Oh, gosh, man. That is so good. Just to bask in the glory of who God is. And I pray that we would come to God with bended knees and learn to live a life without selfish ambition and not looking out for our own, but looking out for our brothers. And who is our brothers, my friends? Who is our brothers? Everybody. Everybody's our brother. That means person sitting to your right, the person that's sitting to your left, and that person down there on 3rd Street. I don't even know where 3rd Street's at. I don't even know if it's a bad street or a good street, but he's there on 3rd Street, and he might be a crack dealer down there on 3rd Street. He's our brother in Christ. Look out for the interest of our brothers. Look out the interest for your community. I'm going to close in prayer.
And I'm going to ask Matthew to come. Father, we thank you for this word. God, ah, this. thank you for your spirit. I thank you that you equip your body. God, we thank you for each part of the body. Oh, God, I pray for Grace Baptist Church. That you would light a fire of passion for your word. Not just a passion for your word to know it, but to live it. Change us, oh God. Help us to work out what you've worked in. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand, guys.